Welcome to the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moyeri. I have been a music journalist since 1992, and I interview a lot of music-related people. This podcast, which is named after the song by The Who, is about my experience behind the story, what my experience is doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 60-60. That is a milestone. As of 2022, we are monthly with a new episode posting on the second Wednesday of each month. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com where you can subscribe or follow us and also connect to us on Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon, although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com as it is the highest quality audio and avoids copyright restrictions. Ask me question, I tell you no lie. Ask me no question, play music. This episode is on my 29 years and counting of experiences with DIY Sound System. The Collective have just had a book published about them this year called Dreaming in Yellow, written by one of their founders, Harry Harrison. Here are a few snapshots of my experiences with the various members of DIY. First, a little primer on the collective. DIY is a fluid group of individuals held together by their love of music and their rejection of conformity. That is my loose description. The collective got its start in Nottingham in the Midlands of England in the late 80s, where their friendship was formed around dance music, taking drugs and throwing ideally free or very low cost parties. I met the first of my many friends in the collective, Pez, in 1993. At the time, about 30 to 40 members of DIY and friends of DIY had come over to San Francisco for a month to experience the city and play as many gigs as would be offered to them. I was hanging out at a record pool in Los Angeles when we got a call offering up a DIY DJ to play one of our not quite legal parties here. Pez came down, the party got busted and his records were confiscated. I met him the next day at an after after hours while I was eating graham crackers out of the box. I didn't know who he was, but he just started talking to me and I finally realized he was the DIY DJ and I offered him some graham crackers, but he understandably turned them down. Pez was very freaked out about having his records confiscated. I told him I would get them back and make sure to get them into his hands. We just ended up talking and he was and is a great conversationalist. I ended up going to San Francisco the following weekend, which is my first time going there for raving. I didn't meet up with Pez or meet any of the DIY people there that weekend, though. After they all went back to England, I spoke to Pez, who was still worried about his records, very regularly on the phone. I did finally get his records back, and I had Dave Clark from Soma Quality Recordings in Scotland take them back to the UK. That fall, I went to England, and Pez, who lives in Liverpool, met up with me at Back to Basics in Leeds and stayed up with us in the hotel room all night. It was nice to see him relax and not stressed about records confiscated by the LAPD. The following year, I went to England for an extended period of time and I included a trip to Liverpool where I stayed with Pez and his roommate John Barlow of 3Beat Records, where Pez still works. Over the years, I have visited Pez many times in Liverpool and he's been to LA many times, first on his own and in more recent years, he's come to stay with us with his whole wonderful family. Pez remains the same friendly, personable, chatty and nice guy he was from the first day I met him. 
Harry describes Pez in Dreaming in Yellow alarmingly accurately. This is what he says. Almost a cultural polar opposite to the travelers and the anarcho-punks we had drawn into our orbit, here was a working-class lad from Stoke who had grown up with electro and breakdancing and was, for want of a better word, normal. There were a few members of DIY who moved to San Francisco after that first trip, among them Emma, one of the DJs, and Damien O'Grady, who did a lot to fund the collective, and Darren Davis, a satellite member from West Bromwich. I went to San Francisco to interview Damien for a project he was doing called Love from San Francisco for Herb Magazine, and from that moment, he became a touchstone for me in the city. I spoke to Damien almost every morning and spent most of my time in San Francisco with him and T, his girlfriend at the time. Damien only came down to Los Angeles a few times, but each time he did, it was either a pivotal moment in his life or in my life or in both our lives at the same time. I didn't realize this until he pointed it out to me, which is kind of a freaky thing. Damien moved to Thailand for a while with his then wife, Rebecca, and I stayed with them in Bangkok my first time there in 2009. Damien was a great tour guide and took me all around the city. This was a surprise to Rebecca, who told me that they had a lot of visitors from all over, but that Damien didn't extend himself the way he did for me to others. This wasn't surprising to me because Damien can assess people just fine and he knows who he has to come correct for. He then convinced me to meet them at a remote part of Koh Panyang called Hajuan. Damien can convince me to do anything, even spend time on a Thai beach, which is not my holiday of choice. It was a high-stress scenario getting out there, including wading into the sea with my sneakers on and my backpack that held my laptop over my head to climb into a boat. But it was totally worth it as every moment I was on Had You On, I felt my mother was there. I have never felt that anywhere else on the globe, nor did I expect to find her existing so powerfully there. So I'm very glad I went. Rewinding back to the 90s, through Pez is how I met the others. In 1996, I was visiting Pez once again and he drove us down to Nottingham for a DIY party called Bounce. That was a once in a lifetime experience for me. I have instant recall of that evening, of the space, of the people, of the music, of the energy. By that time, I had been to a lot of different events and club nights all over the UK and this was its own thing. There was none of the glitz and glamour of London nightclubs or even the official tone of regular club nights in cities outside of London. Bounce felt like an outside party inside, and I have never seen that many people with dreadlocks collected in one place. This was a far cry from what Harry describes in Dreaming in Yellow when he first came to Nottingham to go to university. He says... If Nottingham itself felt mundane, then the reality of being a student on the 300-acre university campus felt repellent. What I had envisioned of student life was a nonstop world of gigs, drinking, drugs, and sex so that I could pretty much carry on where I'd left off in Bolton. What I witnessed with mounting horror was thousands of very clean-cut young people, most of whom seemed to be from the south of England, with appallingly middle-aged taste in clothes and no interest in getting wasted at all. We arranged for me to come back to Nottingham the following week to interview the crew for Herb magazine. The next day, Pez drove me to Manchester so I could attend the In The City conference. And at the end of the conference, my good friend Mick Cole, who lives here but is from the UK, drove me back to Nottingham. We found the complex where I was supposed to meet the DIYers and Mick made sure I was safe before he left, but he wasn't feeling too confident about leaving me there. 
The people at the complex who were the studio-oriented members of DIY delivered me to the party people of DIY at their house. Harry, Barbara, Simon DK, Rick Diggs, and Pete Wush all lived together in a flat, or at least it felt like they all lived together. And I felt like I must be intruding, especially as I was supposed to be spending the night there as well, but they didn't act like that at all. They were so easygoing and inclusive, and they were all vegan, so I didn't have any issues with food like I had with so many others at the time. The one thing I can't forget, and I remind her of this on a regular basis, is Barbara with a bucket of dirty socks in the bathtub, banging on them with a big long stick, trying to get them clean. It was so primitive and so necessary and so awesome, and it made me feel more comfortable straight away. I found that article in my physical copy of Herb Magazine, the January 1995 issue, and it seems that I only have quotes from Simon in it, which is wild. Here's a quote from him on throwing parties. We just did it without thinking about it, and it sort of grew in an organic way with no particular boss or runners. As mentioned earlier, Emma, another one of the DIYers, had moved to San Francisco for a while. I connected with her every time I went up there and took her to gigs. I remember taking her to a Chemical Brothers show and hanging out in the dressing room after and how she was so in control of herself and the situation and how much the chems and their crew liked her. Years later, when I was in Nottingham and Emma was back there and had a son, Damien pointed out her confidence to me, which until that point, I hadn't realized was the characteristic of hers I was so drawn to, much like everyone else. I haven't back to Nottingham for a long while, but every time I have gone, I have carved out one-on-one time with Emma and her son, Alfie. But most of my DIY time was spent with them in San Francisco. The crew came over at least once a year and I went up every time to hang out with them. These trips were absolutely nuts. I don't think I slept even one hour in a four day stretch, which is really saying something considering I am and always have been 100% sober. But I just didn't want to miss out on one minute of the fun and every minute with DIY was and is really very fun. There were just so many places to be night and day and so many activities to participate in and so many people's houses to visit and so much nonsense to chat about. And I felt loved and like I belonged and like I was wanted, which is always a good feeling. I would go home to whichever one of my normal friends' places I was staying at least once a day to shower and change. But my DIY pals just swap what they were wearing for another dirty shirt that they simply sprayed deodorant on to freshen it up. DIY rarely came to Los Angeles as this city is not really conducive to their lifestyle and energy. But when they did come, they always came to me, whether it was at my dad's place or when I had my own place. At one point, Harry brought a bunch of people to my place, none of whom I knew, but they were all very friendly and nice. They did do cocaine off my Fiesta wear plates, the same ones we still have now. They had sex in my shower and tried to go for it in the building's hot tub as well. I've been to Nottingham more times than DIY has come to Los Angeles, and each time I've made the rounds to try and spend as much one-on-one time with any one of them that are in town. The party drugs that went hand-in-hand with the wonderful music they played and made did take an ugly turn, and many of them had substance abuse problems. 
This did not deter me from wanting to spend time with them, and if anything, it amplified the need to spend individual time with each one of them. Within five minutes of talking to any of them, especially Simon, who always looks like a petrified cadaver, I am reminded of why I stay friends with them and never want to sever ties with any of them and want to take every opportunity to be with them. I ended up in London in February of 2009 on an unplanned trip and Pete from DIY was in town to see a Rothko exhibition at the Tate Modern. I met up with him and Rick and Twigger down there and I was thoroughly annoying as I am not a fan of Rothko's and Pete really is. I remember him telling me that he felt he was falling deep into the depths of each of the paintings with no end in sight. When I hear people's reactions to art like that, I have to appreciate that the art has that kind of impact, even if it doesn't on me. And Pete was really moved. When we left, it was dark and we were walking towards St. Paul's Cathedral, which was all lit up and absolutely beautiful, and I made Rick and Pete hold my hands as we paused for a moment to take it in. Pete lost his life to cancer in 2020, and we lost Twigger too. Rick moved to London and is teaching science. Out and about, she's more commonly seen as Grace Sands. As I've mentioned, Harry has finally written the DIY story Dreaming in Yellow, which is available globally. This book has been a long time coming, and we all knew it would have to be Harry who would have to write it. He is certainly the most loquacious and the one who is able to put what DIY is about into words, either spoken or written. The book is truly amazing. It focuses on the first five years of the collective's existence, which is really a genius move because it was those early days that really made a mark and everything that came after was because of those times. If Harry had covered all 30 plus years of DIY, it would have become repetitive and redundant. Instead, it is tight and impactful. His storytelling is engaging, giving equal time to highs and lows, conflicts and successes. He paints a picture of the time and of the places and does so with such nuanced accuracy, it's uncanny. He is also somehow able to describe how everything felt collectively and he nails it. His humor, which is what all his conversations hinge upon, is present on every page with himself and the rest of the crew at the butts of his jokes. Here's an example from the book. Each person was dancing in an individual space, oblivious to the gyrations of their neighbors all moving frenetically to the beat and wearing the sort of colorful, bright clothes and big smiles that everyone I had ever known would rather die than be seen wearing. They looked happy for God's sake, which to us Northerners was pretty much the ultimate sin. Harry also does a fantastic job of explaining the political scenery, which is such a huge part of DIY's movements. He gives historical context and then the context of the time about which he is speaking, and he does so without being the least bit boring. There is a brief anecdote toward the end of the book about Harry meeting Sean Ryder of Happy Mondays and Black Grape in San Francisco. This was through me, and it did not go very well. When Sean was leaving, he had them pull the car over so I could either go with him and the band, ideally, or at least tell me where they were going, but that my dickhead friends couldn't come. I didn't go with them, and I didn't meet up with them later either like I would ever pick Sean Ryder over anyone in DIY. That is a very brief snapshot of my friendship with DIY. They are amazing individuals, smart and nice and kind and wacky. And that connection that I felt with them at the start has gotten stronger and stronger. And I love every single one of them more than I did then. And that was already a lot. The 
interviews I did with DIY are not online, so I can't point you to them, but I can point you to Harry's book, Dreaming in Yellow, which I highly recommend. I can also point you to my colleague Vivian Host's podcast, Rave to the Grave. Vivian had Harry on as a guest a while back, and it is a very entertaining listen. I'll have those linked in the podcast description. In our next episode, I'm going to be talking about my experiences with Reese Langston, who started out as my geometry student when he was in eighth grade and has become a formidable rapper and a very solid friend as an adult. Yeah, undermining overthinking all the time, you know it's still, you know it. Lenses by focal bifurcated, yours are beside true. Yo, beside true. Emo game of victim bendency for the carbon, bro. For the carbon. Was finna complete my sentence, like a miss that will have to do. That will have to from myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lawrence Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com and from there you can choose your preferred podcast platform or Instagram or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlist for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. There's also a Pictures of Lily newsletter, which goes out when each podcast episode posts with a bonus newsletter in between that you can subscribe to on picturesoflily.com. And don't forget to check out Lawrence's curated playlist on Spotify each Friday. Just search for his artist name, Regal Standard. Thanks for listening. Pictures of Lily.